Welcome to the HeartStrong Discipleship Podcast. Visit heartstrong.life forward slash login to access the notes from today and all the benefits of our membership community. One to the two and two to the three. Let the world see the Holy Trinity. Let's become HeartStrong Disciples of Jesus together. Good morning, everybody. Um, for those of you who, who don't know me, uh, which I think most, most probably are familiar with me because I used to be at the Orleans campus, but for those who don't, uh, myself and Pastor Jeff are the Cornwall campus pastors uh, for the Cornwall campus. And so it is just an honor, a privilege to be here with you guys, uh, to be able to be a part of the teaching team um, and to get to do this with you for the next uh, next few weeks. So um, we get the exciting job of going through Deuteronomy and then some of Joshua. And so I'm just excited to go through this. One of my favorite parts of the Bible is, uh, is the Exodus. And so it's kind of neat to be able to go through this part now as they're awaiting going into the promised land. Um, this month, uh, we will be focusing um, on Deuteronomy and Joshua, as I said, and the theme for this month is a disciplined soul. So if you've gone through your uh, plan for August, you'll see that. And uh, we're going to um, just look at the, sort of that angle of these things as we go through these books. Um, and uh, I love that uh, the part where it says, let's together, let's abide. And it says, I am freed from the power of sin, follow, submit to God's ways and practice exercising authority over darkness. And I think those are things that we should be leaning into as we go through this month. Just look at how that, how these things filter, how the scriptures filter through that. Let's just uh, take a minute and say our verse together. Uh, it's a nice long one. Uh, it's Ephesians 1, 17 to 21. And so let's go through this together. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which we have, he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might? And that he, wor uh, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in the age, in this age, but in the one to come. That is such an incredible verse. I would love to just take time to pick apart just that verse and what it means for us in our walk with God. Um, but this morning, before we get started, let's just take a moment and pray, and uh, then we'll jump right in. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. Uh, what an awesome gift that we have um, in having your word to give us direction, to be so clear on who you are and who we are and how we're to live with each other and with you and this world around us. And so God, we submit ourselves and our hearts to you for you to 
shine a light on our hearts. And even as um, the word, uh, as the the preaching yesterday, uh, shine where the soil needs to be maybe turned over or, or loosened or freed from rock rockiness or uh, uprooted from some roots God and from some weeds and so this morning I just ask that you would uh, search our hearts and reveal uh, where things need to be uh, moved and we submit ourselves to you this morning in Jesus name amen well like I said we're going to be going through Deuteronomy and we're going to be doing chapters three and four this morning and so um, I would really love, there's just some parts that really stood out to me as I kind of sat in it and, and went through it, particularly in chapter four, I'm going to focus this morning on chapter four. And, um, and I just want to focus a little bit on sort of the idolatry and the submitting ourselves to God and the word of God. Um, chapters one to three, they kind of review all that God has happened. This is Moses and it reviews all that God has already done up to this point, the battles that have been won, the journey that's been done. And so before we jump into going through chapter, um, the, the things that I felt I wanted to focus on this morning, let's watch a video that gives us an overview of Deuteronomy. This is a really good one. It's from Bible project. Um, and so we're going to watch that before we jump into the discussion. The book of Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible and the final book of the Torah. After the exodus from Egypt, Israel was at Mount Sinai for one year entering into a covenant with their God. And then they had the disastrous road trip through the wilderness and the exodus generation disqualified themselves from entering into the land promised to Abraham. And so Deuteronomy begins with Moses standing in front of this new generation explaining the Torah. And it's from here that the design and purpose of the book unfolds. Deuteronomy is a series of speeches from Moses where he's calling the next generation of Israel to be faithful to the covenant with their God. At the center of the book is a collection of laws, which are the terms of the covenant between God and Israel. Some of the laws are new, but many are repeated from the laws given earlier at Mount Sinai. And that's actually where this book gets its name, from a Greek word deuteronomion, which means a second law. Now surrounding these laws are two outer sections of Moses' speech. Each of these are broken up into two parts themselves. Let's just dive in and we'll see how this whole thing works. So Moses first of all summarizes the story so far and he highlights how rebellious the previous generation was in contrast with God's constant grace and provision in the wilderness. And God did bring his justice on them, yes, but he did not abandon his covenant promises. After this comes a series of very passionate sermons where Moses calls on this new generation to be more faithful than their parents were to the covenant. He reminds them of the Ten Commandments and then the centerpiece of this section is a famous line called the Shema. Moses says, listen Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. This became a very important daily prayer in Judaism and it brings all of the themes of the book together. So the word listen, or shema in Hebrew, it means much more than just to hear. Its meaning includes responding to what you hear, or in English we would say obey. And the word love in Hebrew also means much more than just an emotion or feeling. It's about a decision of wholehearted devotion to God that involves your will and your emotions, your mind and your heart. 
Now, for Israel, their obedience and devotion to God served a much larger purpose. Obedience to the laws is going to make Israel a unique people among the nations. Just like God said at Mount Sinai, they will become a kingdom of priests. And Moses now says, how? Israel has the chance by following the laws to show the whole world the wisdom and the justice of God. The other key idea in the Shema is that Israel was called to obey and be devoted to the Lord alone. Or literally, in Hebrew, it says, the Lord is one. Now, in context, the point is that the Lord is the one God Israel is to worship and obey. Israel is about to go into the land of Canaan, where people worship idol gods that represent all different aspects of creation. The sun, the weather, sex, and war. And in Moses' view, worshiping these gods degrades humans and destroys communities. But worshiping the God of Israel, who's the creator and the redeemer, that will lead to life and blessing. And so we come to the large collection of laws at the center of the book. And they're roughly arranged by topic. So the opening section is about Israel's worship of their God. They were to have one central temple where one God would be worshiped. And also God was to be worshiped in Israel's care for its poor. So for example, all Israelites were to set aside one-tenth of their annual income to be given to the temple, but another tenth was to be set aside every three years and given to the poor. And these are the kinds of laws that put Israel on the cutting edge of justice in comparison to their ancient neighbors, and it was all bound up with their worship of God. The next section outlines the character qualities of Israel's leaders. So the elders, the priests, the kings, these were all placed under the authority of the covenant laws, which God said that he would enforce by sending prophets to keep the leaders accountable. So in contrast to Israel's neighbors, where kings were thought of as divine and a law unto themselves, Israel's leaders were subordinate to the law and the prophets. Following this is a large section of laws about Israel's civil life, so rules about marriage and family and business, and also about social justice, about their legal system and how it was to protect widows and orphans and immigrants. And then these are concluded by more laws about worship. Now, here's some tips for reading all of these laws. Remember, first of all, these are the terms of the Sinai Covenant given specifically to ancient Israel, living in a culture that's very different from yours. And so two, it's not going to be helpful to compare these laws with modern laws from a very different culture. Rather, these were given to set Israel apart, and so we need to compare these laws with those of Israel's neighbors, like in Assyria or Babylon. And when you do that, all of a sudden laws that seemed harsh or bizarre become much more clear. You see that God is pushing Israel to a higher level of justice than was ever known before. And so finally, try to discern what core principles of wisdom or justice underlie any particular law. And you'll discover some really profound things. So here's an extra credit assignment. Go see how Paul the Apostle does this very thing in his first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 9, verse 9. And he quotes a law from Deuteronomy, chapter 25, verse 4. It's really interesting. So back to Moses. After he goes through all of the laws, he issues a final challenge that Israel should listen to and love their God. He first issues a warning and an ultimatum. If Israel listens to and obeys their God, everything's going to go great, lots of divine blessing. But if they don't listen and rebel, famine, plague, devastation, and ultimately exile from the land. And then Moses forces a decision. He says, today I set before you all life or death, blessing or curse, goodness or evil. So choose life by loving the Lord your God and listening to him. But then Moses says this. He says, I know that after I die, you're going to rebel and turn away from God and end up in exile. 
which is kind of a downer. But then again, he's been with these people for decades, and it becomes clear that his hopes are not very high. But all is not lost, Moses says. One day, when Israel is sitting in exile, at any point, Moses says, they can turn back to their God, who will, in his words, circumcise your hearts so that you may love him with all your heart and soul and live. Now, this is a vivid metaphor that's saying something is fundamentally wrong with Israel's heart. It's stubborn and hard. And it's the same thing wrong with the heart of all of humanity. This is going all the way back to the rebellion in the garden. Humans seized autonomy from God. They wanted to define good and evil for themselves, and they ruined God's good world as a result. But one day, Moses says, God is going to do something to transform the hearts of his people so that they can truly listen to and love God from the heart and be led back to true life. And this is the promise that gets picked up by the later biblical prophets, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, the hope for a new heart. So Moses ends his speech with a poem of warning and then of blessing, and then he walks up onto a mountain and he dies. And so the Torah draws to a close. All of the major plot tensions of the biblical story are in place, but left totally unresolved. So when is the descendant of the woman going to come and defeat evil? Or how is God going to rescue the whole world and bless all nations through this family? And how can God's holiness be reconciled with people who are continually rebellious? And how is God going to transform the hearts of his people? You just have to keep reading to find out. But for now, that's what the book of Deuteronomy is all about. I love that uh, synopsis. I think it's so clear. And uh, if you have never used um, the, the Bible Project, it's an excellent resource. So I encourage you to go there. Um, another great resource is also um, Through the Word. It's a great resource to go to as well if you're looking for uh, good explanations of the Word of God. Um, anyways, uh, I just love the theme through it all about choice and submission to God. And I think that that's probably something we'll be circling back to a lot as we go through Deuteronomy and is absolutely applicable to our lives today. Is it not? Cause it's something that constantly we're butting up against, uh, with culture, but also even with our own hearts. It's like he said, at the end, uh, the hearts of the Israelites were hard and needed to be softened and submitted to God and people's hearts don't ha haven't changed. Humanity is the same. And so let's read through um, chapter four, verses one to 30. I don't know. Does anybody, I, I like to put it out there. So you're not just listening to my voice. Does anybody want to, uh, take a section of that when maybe we'll do one to 15 and then, uh, 15, uh, 16 to 30. Does anybody enjoy reading, um, the Bible out loud and would like to take Dan, you can do one to 15. Does anybody want to do 16 to 30? Joan, you want to do 16 to 30? Okay. Perfect. Same mic. Okay, so 15, 1 to 15 and then 16 to 30. In chapter 4, that is. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you and do them that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal, for, for the Lord your God destroyed them from among you, all of the men who followed the Baal of Thor. But you 
who held fast of the Lord your God are all alive today. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded you or commanded me that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of earth. Keep them and do them for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the people who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to us as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Only take care and keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children, how on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me, that I may let them hear my word, so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth and that they may teach their children so and you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while the mountain burned and fired to the heart of heaven wrapped in darkness cloud and gloom then the lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire you heard the sound of words but saw no form there was only a voice and he declared to you his covenant which he commanded you to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments, and he wrote them on the tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and rules that you might do them in the land that you are going over to possess. Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully, since you saw no form on the day that the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of fire so that you do not become corrupt and make for yourselves an idol, an image of any shape, whether formed like a man or a woman, or like any other animal on earth, or any bird that flies in the air, or like any creature that moves along the ground, or any fish in the water below. And when you look up to the sky and see the sun, the moon and the stars, all the heavenly array, do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshiping things the Lord your God has apportioned to all the nations under heaven. But as for you, the Lord took you and brought you out of the iron smelting furnace out of Egypt to be the people of his inheritance as you now are. The Lord was angry with me because of you, and he solemnly swore that I would not cross the Jordan and enter the good land the Lord your God is giving you as your inheritance. I will die in this land. I will not cross the Jordan. But you are about to cross over and take possession of that good land. Be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. Do not make for yourselves an idol 
in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. After you have had children and grandchildren, and have lived in the land a long time, if you then become corrupt and make any kind of idols, doing evil in the eyes of the Lord your God, and provoking him to anger, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you this day, that you will quickly perish from the land that you are crossing, the journey to possess. You will not live there long, but will certainly be destroyed. The Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and only a few of you will survive among the nations to which the Lord will drive you. There will be worshipped man-made gods of wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or eat or smell. But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you look for him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in distress and all these things have happened to you, then in later days you will run to the Lord your God and obey him. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant with your forefathers which she confirmed to them by all. Thank you so much for reading that, guys. And I chose that portion because I feel like um, what really stood out to me is, first of all, uh, in, in verse um, one to two, how it talks about, do not add what I command, add to or take away from what I command uh, to you. And um, I just felt like to take some time and kind of sit in that a, a little bit and discuss it because, you know, in this, God keeps bringing them back to you. You need to focus on me. You need to stay true to me. You need to stay submitted to me. Don't get drawn into the cultures around you. Don't get pulled into or sidetracked uh, into idolatry. And sometimes we can write off idolatry as just being like a physical idol. You know, that is something that we set before ourselves and bow down. And absolutely in this passage, that's, that's what he's telling them. But he, he keeps saying, don't put anything, don't elevate anything that you see around you above me. And um, I believe that this is repeated and talked about over and over and over and over again, New Testament, Old Testament, it doesn't really matter where you read in the Bible. This is something God constantly is coming back to and constantly bringing whatever people are following him at the time back to this place of like idolatry cannot be something you allow into your lives. It will ultimately end, you know, with your demise, with you being lost, with, with us being separated, uh, with us having, uh, with me, because I'm jealous. You can't, you can't put anything else above me. And at the end of the day for us, when it comes to the word of God, um, and the things that he's spoken to us, we have to be super vigilant about not adding or taking away from, depending on what culture we live on, what family we're living in, you know, what's happening around us. We cannot add or take away from this word. We have to allow it to be our guide and allow the Holy Spirit to be our guide um, and not let feelings be our guide and not let, you know, 
whatever is happening around us be our guide or whatever is comfortable be our guide. Um, and he was constantly, I love in the overview that we saw how it kept talking about choice and uniqueness. It kept talking about how they had to choose to, to submit themselves to God and choose. And if they choose, you know, and you'll hear this over and over again, if you choose to do this with me, if you choose to follow what I'm asking, if you choose to let me have the big picture and tell you where to go, you will end up with blessing. You will end up in the promised land. And for us, you will end up with this relationship with God and ultimately uh, in eternity with him. But if we choose to allow other things to, you know, have authority in our lives in a wrongful way, uh, it ends up bringing separation between us and ends up ripping at this relationship that we have with him. And so I love that this is saying, don't allow anything because everyone around them was, was worshiping idols. And I'm sure you've sat in this as you've gone through the Exodus, as you've gone through the other parts of the, of the, um, the Bible, but everyone around them was submitting to these gods that were, were not open. were not telling them how to live were you know, it's a mystery how to serve them and please them. And they had to please them to get this blessing. They were, you know, doing all sorts of horrible things to worship this, these gods. And God here is, it says in there, it, it talks about how I'm setting you apart and people will be in awe of how of the wisdom that you have and these unique laws and, and how I've, I've asked you to live. These things are going to cause people to wonder about me and be in awe of me. But I think you can see that there's this constant pull. And this is why God keeps saying over and over, don't, don't be in idolatry. There's this constant pull to these things, these, these other ways that people are living. And so I think we need to heed this though. We may not have uh, for some of us, we may not have a pull to actual physical idols. What is it that pulls at us that asks us to keep coming back to what's going on around us to worldly ways or cultural ways of, of dealing with things or living that God is asking us to actually walk away from or live outside of or live differently. And from us living in this uh, like um, submissive place, it allows people to say, wow, who is this God that is so personal? Who is this God that um, asks you to live from this place of loving each other so differently? Uh, who is this God that you know, is so different than this. And I think sometimes we're afraid to live differently and afraid to be different because the rules, like, uh, like it said, the rules seem harsh or so out there and that people don't understand. But I think if we will understand the heart of God and that he sees the big picture, it actually takes us to this place that people are in wonder of the God that we're serving. Because if we actually live how God asks, it's from a place of love that shocks people that makes no sense, you know, that sets aside ourselves in a way that like people can't understand. And so as I read this, it keeps calling me to this place of full submission of full obedience that brings freedom and points to God through how I live. And that's what he was calling them to. He was setting them apart and he's calling us to this place of being set apart that points to God. And so um, 
I just want to encourage each of you, you know, as God leads you to these places of things that even you may not even fully understand what he's asking or why, uh, because I can imagine for them, there's laws that he is going to give them that, you know, as we, as we've gone through and even looking back that make no sense in their culture, uh, in what they've, they've understood and the cultures around them. It's so extremely different. Why would we live this way? What's the importance of this? But if we will trust God, what he's leading us to, and you can see as you, as you read through the Bible, the story, we can see the bigger picture that they could never see. We see Jesus come and rescue all of humanity. They couldn't see that. They were holding onto a promise of something that they didn't really even fully understand. We get to see that. So we need to understand that if, if God did all that and fulfilled all those promises from, from a, a, a people group that just had to keep saying, okay, God, we'll follow you. Okay. This looks so different. Okay. We can trust that as we do that, that he is leading us to something so magnificent and so beyond what we can understand that we can fully submit. We, we don't have to hold back even a small portion and that this obedience brings such freedom and such blessing to our lives beyond what we can understand. And so uh, my questions as we come, because that was, uh, we're coming up to 630. My questions for you are this, you know, are you, are there areas in your life that um, you have taken away from or added to scripture in your own heart? You know, maybe to excuse behavior, to avoid conflict, to enjoy something that you want, or because you don't understand it. You're like, why would God say that? That doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit. So we kind of, as humans, much like the Israelites did, brush over or stick a toe into something that we're like, well, it can't be that big of a deal. Or, well, I don't really understand. It doesn't really seem to fit here. So I'm sure it was for a different people or a different time or somebody else. And so the human tendency will always be to make to kind of skirt around or add our own thing in. Sure, we may not be writing words into the Bible itself, but are we writing words into God's scripture and God's truth in our own hearts to avoid something that he's calling us to? Avoid being separated from what the world looks like. Avoid looking different. Avoid conflict. Avoid, you know, hold on to something that feels comforting or helpful to us that he's asking us to let go of. And so I challenge you today to just take some time and allow the Lord. And even as we go through all of Deuteronomy and actually, honestly, we should be daily coming and saying, God, search me and know me, pull out anything that doesn't belong, take out the rocks that are hindering deep roots, you know, much like the sermon yesterday. There are other question I would have for you is, are there things that you are elevating in your life to have more authority than God does? And that can be anything, um, really, anytime something gets to supersede God's truth, it is elevated above God. And it is a voice that you are listening to above God's voice. And God really challenged me with this a few years ago, saying like, if, if it doesn't align with the word of God and you're giving it more weight then at the end of the day, you, that's elevating something above me. It could be a person. It could be my own thoughts. It could be a, a thing or, or a way of life that I've clung to, but we cannot allow anything to supersede 
not in a legalistic way, in a, in a, in a trust way, you know, what God says, it could be about yourself. It could be about who you are, about God, who God is, or about how to live or about what other people or the, the body of Christ looks like, but we have to submit to the truth of God because anything else will take us off track. And if you think about it, if you allow something to knock you even slightly off track, it will gradually eventually take you way off track if you allow it that much room in your life. And so we need to be on that straight and narrow with God. And so those are really the two questions I leave with you today as we kind of go into our um, time of, of question and thoughts. So uh, let's just close in prayer for a minute. And then anybody who wants to jump off uh, obviously can. And then anybody else who wants to share thoughts, will have a little bit of time to do that. So Father God, I, I thank you. Like I said earlier, I thank you for your word that um, how awesome is it that you've given us such clear, uh, faithful guidance, not just in this rigid rule way, but filled with love and filled with vision. And so God, we submit ourselves fully to you. And God, I ask you for my own life. I pray that you search me. I pray that you search each one of us and reveal if there's anything that we have elevated above your truth, above you, above who you are. If there's any area we don't trust the vision that you're setting in front of us. If there's any way that we're allowing something else or someone else to have more authority in our lives than you. And God, if there is anywhere that in our hearts or minds, we have added or taken away from your word and your decrees. God, I ask that you would forgive us where we keep trying to take back control and keep trying to uh, have it all in our hands. And we open our hands once again to you on a daily basis. We submit to you and allow you lordship not just to, um, to lead us, but full lordship over our life. And we ask this in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to visit heartstrong.life to access our daily blog for even more encouragement. Visit the HeartStrong shop with all kinds of merch like hoodies and t-shirts and mugs to remind you of this journey of discipleship that you're on. You can log in to heartstrong.life forward slash login to access your member content, resources, and downloads. We have live Bible studies for adults, students, and a Bible bootcamp for kids. Let's become heartstrong disciples together. <laughs>